When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I think there's um, a lot of deep positions in this class. I think um, when we looked at our front board, this is the most uh, number of players we have that we think are draftable. From our board this year and the way it's developed, the depth of talent, especially on the offense and defensive lines, are one of the probably strongest I've seen in a while. There's Vikings GM Rick Spielman. This is Purple Daily, the only place you get Vikings and NFL talk five days a week, Monday through Friday at noon, right here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com and streaming live on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. And you can find us on all those outlets at SKOR North on the eve of the NFL draft. I am Rami Makloff along with Matthew Collard, Judd Zulgad, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. And uh, the plan for today's show is Matthew Collar has been entrenched, engrossed. Is there another word that starts with N that would describe how you have been covering the NFL draft? Encapsulated. Encapsulated in the NFL draft for months now. For months. You've been doing a deep dive on the NFL draft, so we thought a lot of that information, when all is said and done, will end up being useless, so let's put it to use while it's still useful. So throughout the day, Judd and I will have questions for Matthew Collar as it relates to the Vikings and the NFL draft as a whole, but as you are wont to do, Matthew Collar, before the show, you were doing draft sims because that's all you do when you're not talking into a mic and half the time when you are talking into a mic, and uh, I feel like you were just trolling Judd. I was not just trolling Judd. And or Rick Spielman's wife. Yesterday, Rick Spielman <laughs> mentioned that his wife told him not to come home if he drafts a corner. So I decided in a draft sim uh-huh. that I would draft a corner just to see what it looked like. So here's how this first round turned out. And then I'll tell you about the rest of the draft. The best offensive lineman went off the board before the Vikings. Okay. And- Andre Dillard went to Green Bay in this scenario. Garrett Bradbury went to Washington, and Jonah Williams went to New York. So those are the three guys that I look at as sort of a cut above the rest. That left me with either having to reach for an offensive lineman like Chris Lindstrom or Dalton Reisner. I don't really like Cody Ford's fit in this offense. He projects as a guard, but he's 330 pounds. That does not scream outside zone scheme. So I had my pick of the litter of other positions and 
All right, I'm going to go with a cornerback to see how it works. So I picked Greedy Williams with the 18th pick. And then I pulled Judd off of you, yes. and then you yes. continued yeah, out. Of course yeah. you took and, a cornerback. Right. Yeah. Zolgad's Thanks, head then exploded. <laughs> but when I looked at the other potential options, he was the best player to take here. I mean, there's a couple wide receivers that I could have taken that people would have liked. Eric McCoy is an offensive lineman that might be a fit. Uh, there's an interior defensive lineman from Notre Dame, Jerry Tillery, who would fit that three-technique spot if yep. you wanted to pick him. Yep. If these offensive linemen go before the Vikings, they're just going to have to take the best player. And at this point, Greedy Williams from LSU was the best player, so I took him. And, of course, everyone's head would explode U.S. Bank Stadium is on fire. Because there's a huge flaw here. Judd's going to walk out of our draft coverage. What is the huge flaw? The huge flaw is this. Until you give me a draft sim that can make trades, you got to trade up. Like, don't you can't sit there at 18 and just watch this happen. See, that's the thing, though, is... So if you see a run on offensive yes. linemen happening and you're Rick Spielman... you got to go. You're, you're running up and making a trade. But, but Absolutely. Here, but here's the issue with that, is there isn't really a run, so to speak. It's Andre Dillard gets taken, and then Garrett Bradbury goes. Mm-hmm. So the guy you're hoping for is Jonah Williams. Right. The pick before you is where Jonah Williams goes to the New York Giants at 17. So do you want to spend draft capital to move up one spot or just roll the dice that they don't take Jonah Williams? No, I'm going up. Which is what I would probably do. I probably wouldn't trade up. I would rather take my cornerback at 18. Now think about the cornerback position, though, guys. As much as everyone cannot stand this idea, Mm -hmm. let's go through the Minnesota Vikings cornerbacks right now. Mm -hmm. Xavier Rhodes, the head coach, is talking about how he needs to bounce back. Trey Wayans, contract is up after this year, mostly an average player through his career. Mackenzie Alexander, one half of one good season, contract up after this year. Holton Hill, suspended for the first four games. Mike Hughes, just started running on a football field yesterday. That's where your cornerbacks are are right now. Are you going to trade Trey Wayans during the course of this draft? I don't know if they will or not. Because if you're not going to, you're going to milk him for one last year. This is all about th- this year now. There's no, there's no, I keep saying this, there's no future here. This does allow you to trade Spielman, him if you want. Spielman and Zimmer, if they are going to keep their jobs, are playing for one season. So here's my thought on this subject about drafting for the next year. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a top 10 pick, don't bother because you're probably going to make a mistake. If you decide to reach way up on an offensive lineman as opposed to taking a cornerback from LSU who was completely dominant, is six foot one, runs a four three seven, perfect for Mike Zimmer. Right. Just if you're gonna pass on that level of talent right. to reach up on an offensive lineman that you could probably get similar caliber in the second round, but, you're making a desperate mistake. And in general, in general, unless you have a top 10 pick, mm-hmm. those guys do not have a massive year one impact on their team. So even wh- whatever you've done in free agency now, like this is your team. And the guys that you put on it, think about the recent draft picks of the Vikings. Year one, how much impact have they had? Mike Hughes gets injured. Delvin Cook gets injured. Uh, Pat Elfline made an impact. He was a third round pick. Laquan Treadwell, no impact. Anthony right Barr away. did. Anthony Barr did. At- Nine, Why? I believe. Why? Because he's top. 10 but that's pick. what I'm saying. You you got to go up. You have to go up. Th- this conversation, these sims have to involve me getting up as high as I need to go to get what I need here. I would consider what Judd is saying and moving up. If you see an offensive lineman who you deem worthy of moving up for and giving up whatever assets you have to do that, but I would consider maybe going the other way. And if if the scenario plays out that Collar just described, where all the offensive linemen with first round grades 
are off the board before it gets to you, but you still see offensive linemen with second round grades who will be who you think will be there when your next pick comes around, or maybe you can trade for a pick early in the second round and move down a little bit. There'll still be guys there who are worthy of the picks that you're moving into who may fit your scheme. If if that's the scenario that's in front of you, then trade down, get more picks, get more cracks at it, and more offensive linemen. And yes, you can take a corner in a later round because you have a valid point when you talk about their depth at, at the cornerback position right now with the injury to the first-round pick last year, with Holton Hill being suspended the first four games, and their depth moving forward for years to come because of the contract situations that you described. So I... I see where you're going and why you would take a cornerback there, but I would go the route Judd is talking about, which is move up if you see an offensive lineman you really like or move down where you think there will still be offensive linemen who you like, who fit your scheme, and more draft picks and more cracks at it. So let's look at both of these potential scenarios, the move up or move down. There's one guy that I would say you move up for, and he's not an offensive lineman even though I know that they desperately, desperately need offensive linemen. So you couldn't trade a second-round pick if you were going to move up. That makes it really hard, but maybe you're trading a future pick. The one guy I would do it for is TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa. It's not only that he was really, really good at Iowa and projects as an all-around player, but he's one of those guys where you say, even if he isn't as good as you think he is, he's going to be good. He's just got an all-around skill set. He's a blocker. He's a good route runner. He's a physical player. He's got incredibly good hands. You can throw it anywhere and he'll catch it. That guy would be a game changer for this offense. In my latest draft sim, I took the the one that I wasn't trolling with a corner. I took Noah Fant, who's kind of a high-ceiling type of guy but could bust. With Hawkinson, he's got a really high hit rate, and I think he's going to be a top 10 pick. I would do it for him. The offensive linemen, I wouldn't, because I think that there's a number of very good offensive linemen, and a lot of them could step in day one. So when I drafted Greedy Williams, I went then into the second round looking for my offensive linemen, and Elton Jenkins and Chris Lindstrom were both there. Those are two interior offensive linemen who could start right away and would fit the system. What's your preparation if there if we have a similar um, situation to 2018 where there starts to be a run? Because what Rick could have done last year was second round, you got to go up again, yeah. and people yep. were. I, I just I want there to be there was a a level of um, non preparation last year that frustrated me. They didn't allow for something to happen that did that shouldn't have surprised them. So so, so where are you at as far as if that happens? Well, that's a, it's a very interesting scenario because you could see it playing out. It's very clear, I think, the line of where the first-round offensive linemen are and where we get into those second-round talents, or at least the way that everyone has it falling. I mean, things can always change. Mel Kuyper has a few guys on his board that are a little different from everybody else. He has Lindstrom as his 15th best prospect. Most people have him as a second-round pick. So you never know entirely. But someone like Dalton Reisner is a good example. I think he would be a phenomenal fit for the Vikings. He ran zone scheme. He played multiple positions. So if he comes in and plays guard, but someone gets hurt at tackle, you can move him to tackle. He's played center before. This guy, I think, is a perfect fit. But most of the draft simulations have him going 6 to 10 picks above where the Vikings are. If you saw all the first-round talents go off the board in that first round, and maybe even a stretch on somebody else, and Reisner was your only guy left, that's when you get to that scenario. 
if you're if you're seeing everyone go off and he's your only guy left who's a first or second round talent, a day one starter talent, that's where you decide to trade up. And with last year, they must have seen Brian O'Neill, and I'm not sure that they were wrong about this. They must have seen Brian O'Neill as kind of the last guy of like second round, first round talents. So that's why they decided not to trade up. And in hindsight, it might end up working out really well for them if Brian O'Neill takes a next step forward because he has a high ceiling. But uh, that's the way I look at it is if there are guys like Jenkins and Lindstrom off the board in the second round and they do something else in the first, if everybody else is gone and there's one guy left with a second round grade, that's where you have to move up. Yeah, I'm good with them moving up or moving down if it means getting what you need instead of drafting at a position where you're already pretty strong. And to me, your first pick, whether that's in the first round or whether that's in the second round, you got to get the best offensive lineman that you can get. It is such a glaring hole for the Minnesota Vikings where when you look at the rest of this team, you can go, yeah, they need a guy. They kind of need a guy there, but there's nowhere else on the roster where you go, that is a need. You know what I mean? You don't look anywhere on the defense, anywhere at the skill positions on offense and, and really see a glaring hole, whereas... The offensive line, I mean, if you get the offensive line fixed, you might be right back to where you were expectation-wise when the season started a year ago. It kind of speaks to a little bit of the idea of filling spots when it comes to the draft and how difficult that is and how it, it, it just is my belief that if you're relying, if you're in a position right now where you're relying on, we're going to draft a guy and he's going to fix our problems, so no matter what, we're going to make sure we draft that position that you're getting yourself into pretty tricky well, what territory. Other, what other options do you have? You just throw your hands up in the air and say, we're not going to solve this this year. Let's hope for the best, guys. No, Kirk no. Cousins, uh, run for your life. Or don't, because you don't know when pass rushers are coming anyways. And don't think fix, think upgrade. Because fi- fix, fix means we got problems, fix them, which to ask a kid is very difficult. But I do think it's realistic to say, day one, you are an upgrade o- over what the depth chart had the <laughs> night before be the draft. Better. Just be better than you were last year on the offensive line. So here's a way that I could kind of rephrase this about counting on this guard or tackle or whoever it is to come in and and solve all of your problems is when I pull up the pro football focus grades for offensive linemen rookies last year Mm -hmm. for how they performed guys who actually got to start. So played at least half of the snaps. There were 13 of them. Uh, in terms of your pro football focus grades, 70 is above average, 70 and up, 80 is you're really good, 90 is your Khalil Mack, okay? So there were three guys last year who were above 70. Only one of them was drafted outside the top 10. The other two were Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, who mm-hmm. were both top picks. Mm-hmm. Braden Smith from uh, Indianapolis was the only other one who was above average. Will Hernandez, Orlando Brown and Brian O'Neill were around the average range. Everyone else was below average in their first year. And I, I think my point is just that unless you get one of the really great guys, if they drop to you, which mm-hmm. is possible that Jonah Williams or Andre Dillard gets there because of the amount of defensive talent. But if that guy isn't there, you should expect that your left guard position is going to be probably an average player, even if you get a really good prospect in the first or second round how do, does that list of players compare to tom compton well i can figure that that's out my for qu- you. that's my question because i think we're too fixated right now in this conversation on be great and yeah it's not be great it's be better than what what we had and plus 
I am a big believer in sports karma. And you know as well sports as I karma. do. No, yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. The 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 whole thing last year was what? It's gonna be fine, we'll get by what happens. Training camp. Easton gets hurt, right? If you if you continually tempt the sports gods and be like, Oh, we'll be fine there, guess what they do? They bite you right in the ass. Well, in terms of your pro football focus grades, mm-hmm. uh, if we're just going on guards, only two of them were better by a decent amount than Tom Compton last year. Okay. In terms and of their pre draft grades. No, uh, in terms of what they actually did last year. Okay. And one of them was Will Hernandez, who we all wanted for the Vikings, but I won't bring that up. Um, Why not? The the thing about Compton last year and Remmers is that they were both really not very good, but they were made to look quite a bit worse by how many passes the Vikings threw, which I think was part of Zimmer being driven crazy, but they also threw that many passes because they were down in a lot of games. And that exposed those two guys as mediocre to poor pass protectors. And the thought process for next year for helping the offensive line is if you're going to run more and you're going to do more play action, you're helping them twofold to put an athlete in there at left guard like Chris Lindstrom and have them uh, get moving a lot and run play action rollouts and bootlegs away from the pressure and things like that. So if Khalil Mack is running off the left edge, you're sending the entire offensive line left and rolling your quarterback the hell away from Khalil Mack. Something that I can't believe John Filippo didn't do more. So they're going to do that and they're going to help. I guess my point is just if you're going to solve, if you're going to go into this draft thinking I can only solve. This thing, I need to solve this thing, so I have to reach on this guy in the first round. That's where I think you get yourself into a little bit of trouble. No, I don't reach. If the guy, if if there isn't somebody there who I think helps solve the problem, like Judd said, upgrades, just makes you better at that position. If you don't see that guy there who's worthy of a first-round draft pick, then you either move up before you ever get to that point, or you move down to where there are guys who are more worthy of the value that you're going to use picks on, and you get more chances to, again, upgrade the position and other positions elsewhere on the roster. Okay, so uh, when we come back, mm-hmm. were you going to do this, Rami? No, you do. So, okay, yeah. all right. Big radio tease. Uh, I want you guys... Oh, uh, I wanted to add this first, that in the third round, I ended up landing a tight end, Jay Sternberger, in this draft simulation where I tried a corner. It's a good football name. So it, oh, definitely. Yeah, for a tight end, Sternberger? That's right, that's right up there with Klein Sasser. Absolutely. Yeah, for Sternberger. Sure. So if you came away with <laughs> Greedy Williams, Elton Jenkins, or Chris Lindstrom and Jay Sternberger, you would feel pretty good about your haul. You would think that you've got your left guard position filled, your future slash depth at the cornerback position set for the moment, and a tight end number two, to help out Kyle Rudolph. How I'm, many, say, I'm saying it's not that terrible if they draft a corner. How many games, uh, good games does Sternberger need to have before there's a rush of local establishments trying to name a burger after him? <laughs> one? one? Just I'm one? Gonna, I'm going to say Just one. Just buy one, a restaurant. Just yeah. buy a restaurant, kid. That didn't work out for Do the last yourself. guy who tried that. Yeah, well, we were so just talking about him yesterday. You guys have questions for me oh. about best fit players and other things that you will come up with that will be creative and interesting. So many questions. I actually want you to play the role of the offensive head coach of the Vikings. We're going to go into that well that is Matthew Collar's knowledge of the NFL and the draft right after this. It's Purple Daily on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. It's draft week. Every year, the best college players in the country are picked by NFL teams. On Score North. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. 
share the local angst over the condition of the offensive line. Do you understand it? <laughs> angst. Everybody has angst. But my wife, uh, I'll, I'll leave that at home. <laughs> She said, "If I draft another corner, though, we might don't come home. Because you can just stay at the office. Although there's some pretty good corners we like in the first round." I think everybody missed that last part, Judd, when he said, "Although there's actually some pretty good corners in the first round." The nervous. Not wrong. There's nothing like the draft week nervous Rick laugh. <laughs> Plus, he makes a joke, and it's it's okay, and people like are like, "Yeah, I'm not, it's not funny." Oh, I think that was and a then good it gets joke. Uncomfortable. Well, no, the second part was, but the first part, oh, the sure. first part fell flat. All right, so my contention, and I just posted this in a column at our website, scorenorth.com. My contention is the most important person in the draft room tomorrow night is not Zimmer, it's not Spielman, it's not the scouts, it's Gary Kubiak. Because he's been studying this offense, seeing how the personnel fits, and now most importantly is going to come to them and say, all right, here's what I need. And and I hearken back to the 2014 draft, which I actually, which was Zimmer's first draft, and I think worked very well. At 9, they took Barr, which Zimmer clearly said, take Anthony Barr. And then they traded back into the draft, if you recall, at 32 with Seattle and took Bridgewater, which Norv Turner, who of course hadn't had his falling out with Zim at that point, clearly said, I can make this work. And he might have been right. He might have been right. So the contention from me is Kubiak is your most important person in the draft room. So my question to you is, with you playing the role of Kubiak, who schematically, offensive line-wise, so I'm not talking about best player, great athlete off the charts. I'm talking about schematically with their, with their, with what they're going to do with the run game and also pass protection fits the best. So if you, if I'm Rick and I come to you and I say, Gary, what do you need? Who do you need? Who do you want the most? Well, there's a couple of guys, and I can't find this player's middle name, unfortunately. I was going to give you his full name, but... Garrett Bradbury's wiki only has his first and last name, unfortunately. That's my guy, is Garrett Bradbury. That's a good name, too. He is a tremendous, tremendous athlete. I I mean, as soon as he comes into the NFL, he's a top three athlete if he plays center. And he's one of the few guys in this draft where you would say, all right, move Pat Elfline to left guard because this guy is a franchise center. Pat Elfline was a third-round pick, and we like where Pat Elfline was going for 2017. He had a really tough situation last year. You can understand why he had a hard year. And I always like to point out when people bring up his PFF grade, which was very, very poor last year, that he came back and played Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, and Akeem Hicks twice with no offseason. Like, good luck with that. Right? And a Those questionable scheme, best, too. Right, and for a him. questionable scheme. And having to pass protect all the time when pass protection was not really right. his big thing. And yep. yet he's facing these amazing interior linemen. So I, I, I would still buy on Pat Elfline. I think he's a solid offensive lineman. But Garrett Bradbury is a different breed. He's a guy who can be a game changer. Uh, our friend Brandon Thorne from the Trench Warfare podcast compared him to Alex Mack for the type of impact he could have. That is a game changer, a guy that you sign up for 10 years and is solid. He could take on the best players at that position, which in the NFC North is a huge, huge deal, and he is the perfect fit as an athlete. When you talk about dominating the combine, this guy dominated the combine, and if you go back and watch him play Clemson, that's Dexter Lawrence, that's Christian Wilkins, those are top picks, maybe first, second round pick. He was fantastic against those guys. Those are NFL caliber players for competition, and he was great. 
that would be my guy. Even if Jonah Williams is there, I still might take Garrett Bradbury. I think he's the best fit. Any more questions about that, Judd, or can we move into the next question for Mr. Collar here? Do you think he's do you think that there's a good chance he's there at eighteen? I think there is a decent chance. In the draft simulation really? I just ran, he went 15th. So this the, sounds incredibly intriguing to I me. I mean, last year, we thought that Frank Ragnow would be a late first or an early second. Not and, a great football name. For sure. Ragnow? Local kid, too. And a Minnesota. Right. And he ended up going to Detroit earlier, and the Vikings, I think, were surprised. He was their guy, according to Doogie, that they wanted to take yeah. Frank Ragnow. Yes. And he was a perfect scheme fit, and he's a monster, and he's a smart guy, and his combine was off the chain mm-hmm. or whatever, and uh, <laughs> and he got taken. Is and that I, the first I, time you ever used off the chain? I, I might be, You seem yeah. very uncomfortable well, using it. Was it off the chain or off the charts? Both I work. think I was going to go, go with off, off the charts, but I wanted to be more hip. You can go off, off the chain. I was going to say, don't football people go off the charts. But is off the chain hip? Off the chain, I think, is a younger. I think it is younger. Yeah, all right. Then off the don't chain. You guys? You can off go the off, chain, it off is. Off the hook works You're young as well. enough, Collar. Yeah. Use off the chain. Yeah, all right. Off, off the chain. Off Thank the you, hook Manny. works as well, though. Off the hook, off sure. Off the hook, yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Yep. That refers yep. to mm-hmm. a I'm telephone, I'm an off the charts guy, sorry. Doesn't off the hook... Like, aren't, not anymore. It, aren't no, you don't getting, worry about that anymore. No, not anymore. Well, Kids don't know what a phone is. But, are, but are also, aren't you like getting off the hook as in you're in trouble? Now you're off the hook? Yeah, like a fish getting off the hook. I think yeah, that that's where the yeah, saying that, started. But doesn't it doesn't really relate to the combine. It's not really how it's used in a different way now. Trust me. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Football. Anyhow. <laughs> no, so this, but, but this is intriguing to me <laughs> yes. now. So, so you it, just gave me a scenario when, I actually love. When, but when somebody has a combine like Garrett Bradbury had, there's always that possibility that a team falls in love. And sure. he is a guy that you fall in love with. So potentially the, you're saying Elf line at left guard and Bradbury at center. Yes. That's, that would and the be description the you just situation. gave me, the scouting report that you just gave me, I'm very comfortable with. Now there is two other players that are intriguing from a positional value standpoint, which is Jonah Williams and Andre Dillard. Dillard, I think, goes a little earlier, but his age is kind of coming into play. He's 23 years old, and I think Williams is... over the hill. I know. I think Williams is 21, though. There's a difference there. I mean, that's two more years of development until you even get to that guy's age. Sure. Like, I just ran into the fact that Stephen Weatherly is older than Daniil Hunter. Like, what? But but that's how it works sometimes. When Daniel Hunter was really young when he exactly. got drafted, right? Exactly. And that's what you want. You right. want somebody who's going to be younger, and then they have those development years under you, as opposed to in college. But either one of those guys is a, is a good prospect. The positional value element of it. If Jonah Williams is a left tackle and he does fit his own scheme, Dillard is a freak athlete and a great pass protector. There's just more value to taking someone who could be your left tackle than there is someone who is going to be your starting center. All right, let me ask you this. So yesterday we had John from uh, from the TCO Performance Center, where uh, Rick Spielman was yes. talking, and I said that Rick Spielman was going to get up at that podium and say a whole lot of nothing. And you said, for the most part, that's true, but you can kind of get an idea, if you read between the lines enough, of what they're thinking, their overall thinking and strategy is going into the draft. So... What did you take out of what you heard from Rick Spielman yesterday in that regard? So I think what's keeping them up at night, and I'm trying to find the exact quote here, what's Mm -hmm. keeping them up at night is that when they get to 18, there's a very good possibility that the best player on the board is not an offensive lineman, and there's a big gap between where they have a couple other guys in the first round and an offensive lineman. Uh, There is a pass rusher from Mississippi State, Montez Sweat, who has been taken off some people's boards for for a health concern. So there is that. But 
Brian Burns from Florida State. There are a few players who, in draft simulations and different uh, mock drafts, that they fall to that Vikings range. And Greedy Williams is another one. I mean, this is maybe the top corner. Pro Football Focus has him as a top prospect, top 10. If if you have a top 10 prospect on your big board as a team who falls to 18, and the next best guard is 22nd or 33rd or whatever on your board, that is going to keep them up at night because they know they're going to get scrutinized for not drafting right. that offensive lineman, but also it's going to be well, hard to justify reaching that much. Well, wait, wait, wait. What can I get then if if that's the case? What can I get from a team behind me in the draft who wants to come up and get said player to get me excess picks? Yeah. Because in, yep. in this case, if I still get who I want, accumulate more picks, I'm fine with that. That's what I was saying earlier. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I'm com- I'm comfortable if... I just don't. I think locking yourself into that pick is the one flaw with the draft sim because it seems to me to make sense if a team's like, "Oh, we'll give you this." Say, "Oh, okay." Well, here's what Spielman said yesterday. He said, "If we have a guy we think is a Pro Bowl talent, and for some reason that guy falls to us at 18, how do you not take that player?" And I think that scenario is going to happen. Just looking at. The quarterback situation, when people reach on quarterbacks, what if Daniel Jones ends up being a top pick? I don't think he will, but what if he does? Then you're talking about three quarterbacks. Then you're talking about more guys getting pushed down. What if some other teams reach on offensive linemen like Andre Dillard and take him earlier than we think, or Garrett Bradbury? Now you're talking about potential star defensive players getting pushed down on the board. And that was the thing that stuck out to me the most, where he was talking about how this is a multi-dimensional type of formula where it's sort of a, if this happens, then you have to do that. If a Pro Bowl talent drops to you, you've got to take him. And then the question is, well, what if that Pro Bowl talent is a cornerback? And the answer might be, then you've got to take him. What if that Pro Bowl talent is, because that cornerback, you pointed out that there there are some concerns, a little bit of a lack of depth, especially when you consider... Holton Hill won't be available the first four games of the season. But what if what if that Pro Bowl caliber player at 18 is at a position where you're pretty much set? Linebacker, uh, wide receiver, something like that. Is that where you trade? Is that where well, we get into the, the situation Judd just brought up where somebody really wants a guy and is willing to get give up some assets to get up and get him and you move down and get your guy? So let me answer your question with a question, Rob. Okay. It's one of my favorite things to do, as mm-hmm. you know, Judd. Um, <laughs> what position on this football team is not a position of need? Uh, wide receiver. Disagree. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, they need they, a third wide receiver, but that's not something I'm using a first round pick on. I mean, you I would, have a. That's fair. You have, but well, sure, because I'm there, not taking because a wide there isn't the prospects pick. for this draft. Right. If there was, then I would say then you have to take them. Just because you have two really good players. That's not enough for this guy. That's not enough for Kirk Cousins to be as good as you need him to be to actually compete for a Super Bowl. We saw that last year. They were two of the top 15 receivers in the league, Thielen and Diggs, and this team was a mediocre or below average passing game. But you have more glaring needs that he needs help with. Like, we're talking about propping him up by quite a bit here. But but in this scenario, we're talking about a Pro Bowl-level talent versus mm-hmm. not Pro Bowl-level talents in the other positions. If it was a wide receiver, I would say... Take him, stack up these weapons for Kirk Cousins, because here's the thing about Kirk Cousins' career. When he's at his best, 2015, 2016, the weapons that Washington had were outrageously good. They had at least five, maybe six guys that were significant weapons for him. This team right now, 
if we include Kyle Rudolph, it's got three and maybe Delvin Cook if he's healthy, so maybe four. And Kyle Rudolph is not the weapon that Vernon Davis or Jordan Reed were. Mm-hmm. So, but the offense, but the offensive line, the left side of that line is the most important thing. So, so if there's a if there's a Pro Bowl talent to me that, that's outside of the line, and I can bail back a little bit in the draft, accumulate more, and still take a guy I want. That's what I do because yeah. the if you don't if that left side of that line is not good, this guy's destined for six more fumbles. He's going to get hit because you're not going to completely change him. Well, but the but the thing that I'm saying is, unless you get one of these top linemen, your offensive line is going to be mediocre. Still, Riley Reef is not a great pass protector. That's not changing. Like Brian O'Neill could get better. Pat Elfline, I okay, think definitely if, gets but better. If, but if Riley Reef has a, even a competent left guard, he gets better. That that improves him. I think a little bit, but you're still talking about how about Green Bay? Green Bay getting two much better pass rushers now. Yeah. Last year, Green Bay yeah. was easy but for you whoever are, was but, facing them with the pass rush. It won't be this year. But you are all in for this year. And and you are all in for a three year period the day that you signed Kirk Cousins. Like you are there, there's no there's no flexibility here in my mind towards two thousand and twenty one or twenty two. There's everything about this is if you don't win with this guy, if you don't do everything you can to win immediately right now, which is which is short-sighted, which is unfortunate, but you pick the path, not me, then you're in trouble. So I I get that and I agree with you. Uh I always think that you do have to draft for your needs in the future because you're not a top 10 draft team and that pro bowler likely won't be there. But if we're talking about drafting a weapon for Kirk Cousins versus an offensive lineman who is 10 more spots down on your big board, then you take the weapon because that weapon's going to have a bigger impact right away Mm -hmm. than your left guard, the difference between taking him in the first or taking the best left guard in the second. It could be a huge difference. You think about how many times last year Kirk Cousins went first read to Laquan Treadwell and how poorly that went for him. I can put a number on it if you give me a second. Just how badly Kirk Cousins performed throwing to Laquan Treadwell versus Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Like, them not addressing the wide receiver number three spot in free agency, I think was a big mistake. But if they address it here, then we've seen plenty of rookie wide receivers or tight ends. But that guy's right not, away and make not there according to you, correct? Well, I, like, there's not the ability to address it. So we're, we're talking about pie in the sky here. See, a I'm bit. Really, but I'm really interested in. Potentially Hollywood Brown, but I don't know where they have him. Oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I know. His name is Marquise Brown, but I love calling him Hollywood. Like Rami, what do you think? That's uh, a great name. Okay, okay take him first round. Great name. Straight up to get him. I've got the number. So when Kirk Cousins was throwing at Laquan Treadwell last year, he had an 80.3 quarterback rating. When he was throwing at Adam Thielen, it was 115, and Stefan Diggs, 107. And Treadwell's drops were how, how numerous? So he was basically, he had five drops on only 47 targets, which felt, is a ton. Like more than but that, I mean, that's a lot. And two interceptions went his way as well. Uh, so you're talking about Kirk Cousins going from an elite quarterback when throwing at those two wide receivers to a uh, backup at best. If you have an 80 quarterback rating, you're like not in the league or only there because you're Sean Hill and you're old and they like you. That's my point about how desperately yeah, you need I, another weapon. I get your point, but if that guy, so so that that guy's either going to be there in the form of a tight end potentially. It yeah. sounds like he's not going to be there in the form most likely of a receiver. So, but we also, but but this also comes back to why Kubiak is so important. 
because they're they're putting all of their eggs in that basket that he can find a way to make th- this work. Which, by the way, might include Treadwell pretty much not playing. That's what I was just going to say. We've talked about how scheme and play calling yeah. can can prop guys up, put them in a better position to succeed. And I know I'm being simple about this. It's a lot easier said than done. But one thing you could do is um, not make Laquan Treadwell the first read very often. That's one. I mean, if sure. Kirk Cousins is always going to go to the how, first, how read, are you going to replace that? Well, though, well the that's question. what I'm, that's what I would say is then who is on this roster? I mean, is it Chad Beebe, a guy who was undrafted and played <laughs> one and a half might, games? It actually might have hurt. to be, but at this rate, Chad Beebe, as much I don't as like I, it, but as much as I like him, and it's a good story. I don't think he stays healthy in the NFL. That he couldn't stay healthy in college and I, he got hurt immediately in the NFL. Aldrick Robinson could be a guy you re-sign, but we saw how that works out as he's just a deep threat. Who else? Who's your wide receiver that you're throwing more, to? I am more comfortable, and I don't love it, but I'm more comfortable with the prospect of taking a tight end in the first round than a cornerback. Okay, that's fine. Tight end I'm more fine. comfortable with that, and if you can get, if you can deploy both your, your tight ends and basically have the tight end be wide receiver three, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. At least I can see that. I wouldn't hate but that. This, but this, again, comes back to what I said about Kubiak, which is Gary Kubiak's the most important person in that draft room. Tell me what you think is going to work. If Great. they if they take a non-offensive lineman at 18, which they may be in a situation where that may have to happen, do they have the draft capital to get back into like the end of the first round? Not really. No. I mean, they, they don't have a fifth. They only yeah. have one-third, one-fourth. Um, so probably not. You know, the way that I look at this is always through the lens of points. I just, I mean, sure. you, you would try to do it the same way in baseball with analytics and look at stuff and how many runs things are worth. And my question is if you're at 18 and you're thinking about a tight end like Noah Fant, a wide receiver like Marquise Brown or AJ Brown is good too, uh, or DK Metcalf could drop, to me, he's pretty risky. But let's just say a wide receiver, a tight end at 18, how many point difference is a left guard worth who's going to be an upgrade this is assuming that the uh, top guys are off the board from tom compton how many points is that worth versus how many points a wide receiver who doesn't drop those five balls and who is open and who can run after the catch the yards per catch for laquan treadwell was 8.6 that's like a fullback i mean it's it's really that bad (laughs) well he can't run exactly we know that and they can't throw it down down the field to him so if you're just giving me any sort of semblance of talent for that position to give me 40 catches that are worth 11 yards a piece. I mean, that's a lot of points there compared to what you had before. And assuming that Thielen and Diggs are as good, if Thielen or Diggs gets hurt, who's playing wide receiver for you? I mean, this is a big problem. Diggs has gotten hurt before. He didn't last year. Thielen has had an incredible record of health. But if he goes down, for, if he goes yeah. down for five games, who's playing there? Him too. Natural hands catcher. Real quick, before we go to the break, so I went to Urban Dictionary. Off the hook means cool or happening. Oh, great. With the kids nowadays. However, James Murphy, one of our producers here at Score North, he tweeted and said, when I think of hip, my first example, or excuse me, no, I'm reading the wrong tweet. He said, no one under the age of 30 is saying off the chain. I don't know if that's necessarily true. But then Ross, who's in here recording the stream for uh, Score North, dot com twitter instagram youtube facebook and twitch and linkedin he and linkedin he threw out a phrase i don't think i've ever heard and i don't think is a phrase he said if you guys need to get a hold of me just quote holla at my hip please that's not a thing right that's not those aren't those aren't words a person has ever spoken i don't think i would go to james murphy or ross for (laughs) hip things sorry 
Right. All right. And, and I'm the one that spends hours draft simming, but it's, <laughs> it's just how it is. The show is Crunk. It's Purple Daily. And we're going to be back right after this on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Yeah, yeah. It's draft week. Every year, the best college players in the country are picked by NFL teams. On Score North. It's Purple Daily on Score North. With how top-heavy our roster is right now with the contracts we have out there, um, these players that we're bringing in uh, have to come in and contribute. And, you know, all these players that do have these big contracts were basically brought in, developed, and then received it. There's Rick Spielman. This is Purple Daily on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I went to the Urban Thesaurus during the break and looked for uh, other synonyms for cool. Oh? Yeah. What did you find? Uh, oh, A Bob. picture of Judd? <laughs> these are real. I, I didn't make these Me up. Easter Bunny. These are all from an actual website that I, I do not run. So if these are not still in use or were never in use, don't blame me. Uh, Obama. Nang. Famtastic. Famtastic. Huh? Savage. Yeah. I can't even say that. Uh, savage for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Sick. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, People still say that, huh? Kewl. K-E-W-L. Uh, no. Kewl. No. No, 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 no. no. Kick-ass. No, no, no. Trippy. Tight. Tox. Illy. Tight for sure. Mean, trippy, no. Shibby. Swaz. Can you say shibby? I don't know. Tight, but it's spelled T-I-T-E. Ill. Yeah, for tight. Divya. Jeff Bridges. I think ill is always what? been good. I, I love Jeff yep. Bridges, personally. R-A-Z-3-R. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Um, hard. Tell me when you want me to stop. Nope, Solid, never. Bangladesh, bomb, Wait, Bangladesh? nifty, margarita, coup, jay. Oh, you can't say that. Bell, off the hook, huh? Killer, off the hook. Coral, that, raw. That justifies it for me. You Panda, Fermi. I'm almost Is at the end. Is dope on that list? Just dope let me finish now. The FCC is going to find us like 12 times for things we don't even yeah, know you shouldn't have said. Christina, Swank, Jens, Cool, Rad, Ellis, Pritz, Vivacious, Vegetarian, Bonge, Tom Shank, Ites, and Darty. Did you say Christina? Yes. I, I guess I get it. Why? I don't know. Christina Aguilar, maybe? <laughs> no, that's no, the first thing I thought of. Because it's spelled K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, so that would not be Christina oh. Aguilera. She mm. spells it C-H. That's, I'm really confused now. Hey, guys, show us your mock or your cool slang words by tweeting Score North a <laughs> screenshot of your predictions for who Minnesota will draft in all seven rounds of this year's draft. Tweet at Score North using both these hashtags, Score Mock, S-K-O-R Mock, and the hashtag Contest. The entrant with the most picks correct will win Cool Cool Score North gear, or they will win uh, Nang Score North. North gear for a free what? draft simulator. Christina, score North gear. Score keyword draft. I'm telling you. It's Jeff Bridges, man. That score North gear is so Tom Shank. Um, so Jeff Bridges been, is cool, by the way. That oh, is definitely. Yeah, he's one of the coolest dudes around. He is. I heard uh, Bill Hader the other day tell a story about him. He was like new on Saturday Night Live, and Jeff Bridges was the star, and Bill Hader was real nervous and like anxious about it. And Jeff Bridges just put a hand on his shoulder and he was like, You know that nervousness you're feeling, man? That's your best friend. Take that out there with you. And Bill Hader said that changed everything for him. He's literally the dude. Like in real life, he's the dude from really? the Big Lebowski. Yeah. That's a great story. He's just it's a awesome. laid back, chill dude. But um, we've been tapping you, Matthew Collar, for your uh, draft knowledge on the eve of the NFL draft in between just talking about stupid crap. And uh, one question I had for you is what teams present the risk of a run on offensive linemen 
before he gets to the Minnesota Vikings, before number 18. Unfortunately, there are a lot of them. Uh, Jacksonville could use an offensive lineman in the draft simulation that I ran. They took Jawan Taylor. I do expect Jawan Taylor. He's a monster. He's a mauler. He's uh, a really, really good step in play right away. He's right tackle. Like yeah. Monster well, mauler. But, but, but he's going to be the first off the board is the way most people project it. But, you know, Buffalo patched a couple of holes on the offensive line, but they don't have anybody who they're going to really go forward with. Um, I think they have Dawkins, who they drafted a couple of years ago, but they they mostly just filled spots with free agents. You know, Denver, Garrett Bulls hasn't really been amazing for them. They lost Matt Paradis in free agency. Cincinnati has a garbage offensive line. It is so bad. Um, Cordy Glenn's okay, but the rest are just a mess. I mean, even Green Bay could use an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. They lost uh, TJ Lang and Josh Sitton to old age slash free agency, and they haven't really been the same since on the offensive line. They could use a lineman. More likely than not, they're looking at the tight ends. They need weapons for Aaron Rodgers, and there's no receiver that's and worth not taking Jimmy there. Graham. But, I Ooh. mean, you know, Miami, are they, they going to draft a quarterback now? Or are they going to tank, and they got to wait till next year? Atlanta could even use some. Uh, for sure, Washington's offensive line that was once really good has not been in the last couple of years. The Giants, the, right? Absolutely, the, the Giants. The Giants have two picks. They, they need to continue to stack up their Where offensive line. Where are the quarterbacks line, so. going to go here, too? I am so curious to see how many quarterbacks get taken in the first round and who takes them. So, even Kyler Murray right now is unclear whether he's going to be the first uh, overall pick. I still think it's the Cardinals. But yes, it's become a little bit more murky. I think so, too. I think Kingsbury took that job with a basically wink-wink of, we're taking Kyler Murray. But what makes it really interesting is that John Gruden is a total wild card for this, and he has three first-round picks. And and supposedly, they sent all the scouts home in part because they're going to do something really weird at four, and I think he takes the quarterback. They're worried about leakers. Yeah. Whatever this crazy but, plan they're hatching is. But don't you guys think with Gruden... I. After watching that guy's QB clinics for all those years, it's not that Carr's a bad player, but he's not Gruden's player. Right. I would not be surprised at all because Gruden's going to tell Mayock exactly what to do. So if you think about it this way with Oakland, if Oakland comes in and says, okay, Arizona, three firsts for Kyler Murray and whatever, a third, we're going to give you the whole haul. We're going to give you the Ricky Williams package. Basically. Right. And if Arizona has been <laughs> And then Kyler Murray's going to show up dressed in a wedding dress. <laughs> if uh, I, st- I still have that SI, I think, in my parents' house somewhere. Um, it, but but it, let's say Arizona doesn't have that big of a gap between Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray. Dwayne Haskins threw 50 touchdowns this year. It's not like the guy's a bum. Oh. They might look at it and say, well, you know, maybe we don't see Rosen as that far behind Kyler Murray. And if you're going to give us this, Arizona needs everything. They're right. a mess. That team is awful. They they need a couple offensive linemen. They need even positions on defense. They lo- they've lost players over the last few years. They need weapons. Larry Fitzgerald is 123 years old. So if you're Arizona, he's incredible still. You though. might say, okay, we'll we'll do it. We'll give you Kyler Murray. We'll take Dwayne Haskins at four, or we'll take no uh, quarterback at four. We'll stick with Rosen and two more first round picks, and we'll get the fourth. And those two bottom of the first round picks that uh, Oakland has—that's uh, twenty-four and twenty-seven. That'd be I mean, intriguing. That would be a bad deal if Arizona had no quarterback. I'd say, look, don't even take any phone calls. 
But in this draft, Rosen would be the second best quarterback to Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. and he's actually of the proper height for a quarterback. So they might, they, they might look at it and say, we can work with this guy. They, did, they didn't overhaul their front office in Arizona, did they? They just fired no, the coach. just the coach. The GM's still there. I don't, this maybe should have dawned on me sooner, but it dawned on me today as I was watching, I think it was SportsCenter, and they were talking about the whole Arizona situation and potentially drafting Kyler Murray. How incredibly stupid what they're doing is if they indeed are going to draft Kyler Murray, because that means that you either made an incredibly bad move last year and drafted, <laughs> traded up and drafted a quarterback. Well, the head coach was a bad hire. Well, yeah, but that's that's what I was just going to say. You either drafted a quarterback who's so bad that after just one year, you're convinced he's not the guy, or you drafted a quarterback who you still think might be good but didn't succeed because he had a terrible head coach and no supporting cast, and you're pulling the plug on him anyways to go and get a guy rather than using that first-round pick to gain assets to put around that player who you traded up to get a year ago. So it is a weird thing, and you don't see it very often, that a team takes a quarterback the next year. But I think of Carolina for this. Carolina took uh, Jimmy Clausen. Remember, he dropped out of the first round, and they took him, and he was supposed to be a really good quarterback prospect. They played him for one year. They did not think he was any good, and they took Cam Newton with the number 1 pick, even though Cam Newton had a lot of criticism at that time. But they said, who cares if we drafted a guy last year? It's the most important position, and even if you can upgrade by 4%, you should do it because that's the thing that's going to drive your success or failure as a head coach, as a front office, is who's playing the quarterback position. So I still like Josh Rosen and think he will be a successful NFL quarterback, but Kyler Murray is a rare talent. This is this is like Michael Vick with more accuracy. I mean, this this guy can run like crazy. He's got an incredible arm. His throwing mechanics, uh, Sage Rosenfels broke down on our podcast, are really really strong. It's like this is just a different caliber of quarterback that you would say, okay, all right, we'll get another asset for Josh Rosen to trade him, but. If we've got a chance at the most important position in sports to upgrade even a little bit, we should do it. And I, I think there's a very good chance that Kingsbury said, I want my guy. I want a guy that's my guy. And Rose is not my hired. guy. Yes. Yes. So, so your point is correct. It seems nuts and crazy. But the crazy move is making seemingly as bad a head coach hire as they did and having to reverse it after one year. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. So if, I, if I'm a team president or owner and my front I don't office. I the GM's great, though. So. Traded up to number 10 to Fire draft a quarterback who they have deemed not worthy of yeah. that after a year. I need a new front office. That's that's how I look at it. I this like is, how you think. This has been Purple Daily. So much more draft coverage today and tomorrow. Score North Twins show coming up next. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.